Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mully and Hall flashback. 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 I would have loved to work with Justin Fields. You know, I would have loved to work with him. But because I didn't work with him, you know, I don't know the inner workings of the Bears and don't know what they think of him. But I would have loved to work with him. I've seen enough of Justin Fields from, from college right through now to think that you could win with Justin Fields. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. That's Charlie Weiss. Uh, we talked to Charlie yesterday about uh, Shane Waldron, and uh, it's good to hear what he had to say about Justin Fields. So I promised I would tell you why I yes, think did. That, that quarterback is so much more important than the wide receiver. I think there's tons of examples. You know, Lamar Chase, a great player. Joe Burrow goes down. Is Lamar Chase bringing you to the Super Bowl? Um, Justin Jefferson gets injured. That's going to hurt any team. Kirk Cousins goes down. Your season is pretty Which much Which one do you miss more? Over. You miss the quarterback. You hold on. I'm not done. I, I, I got another one. This is the best Justin one. Jefferson's the best receiver in football, but. But the quarterback is the guy that gives him the ball, and when you don't have one, you're in trouble. Thank you. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Oh. They won the Super Bowl last year. Right. Without whom? Without Tyre- the cheetah. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. And we got to get into his personal life. No, we don't. Oh, we got to. No, talk we don't. It. It's so funny. It's so. His, his, remember his wife? He tweeted out, yeah. she told him to get his arse back on the field. I know. He filed for divorce. They, they, and then he said he didn't. So there's like, there's confusion. Okay, you were rolling right along before you got those sidetracked. Crazy kids. Keep going. Right. So, uh, where is, where is he now? He's in divorce court. He's not, <laughs> no, he's not yet. He's in Miami. He's in Miami. He's not available this weekend, but who's in the game for the sixth straight time? Patrick Mahomes. And you can say, well, you know, what what are you going to do? Exception they, to the rule. They got Kelsey. Generational talent. They got, they got other guys. Yeah. No, they don't. They okay. led the league in drops, including him. It's Mahomes. It's that player that is the great player. And they, that position, you touch the ball in every play. That's the position you got to get right, period, and it, end of story. And if we get a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, it will be a fascinating study in contrast because you do have the quarterback who you just pointed out, and I would agree. It's, it's, it's a gimme here. The quarterback that makes everybody around him better and every coach around him smarter. No then doubt. you would contrast that with the 49ers who have all of the weapons and all of the infrastructure, and you plop a quarterback into that, and you think, well, geez, look, all you need is Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Ayuk and Kittle and all those things. But, but that's, I mean, that, that is, that fluke. is going to be really cool. If, it's fluky. If it's, if it's Chiefs slash uh, Ravens against the Niners because of what you just said, yes. the balance of the team versus the, 
the strength of that position. Because the quarterback is the great multiplier. We talk about it with Montez Sweat, but it really is true if you have the right quarterback. That's why, that's why in this conversation, the way that we got started here, Marvin Harrison Jr., when you evaluate traits and you look at the field of players available and prospects, he's the best player in this draft. It's January 24th, but nothing's going to change. He's the best player in this draft when you're watching tape. But is he the one that you want to draft to get to the Super Bowl? Probably not. Because if you have a quarterback who can help multiple players elevate and lift their level of play, exactly, you do that. Exactly. A wide receiver is basically you help the quarterback. You may help the running game. You may help the other guy. But it's more commonplace to see a quarterback be the great multiplier than a wide receiver. Yeah, I and and I got to tell you, you look at where um, the quarterbacks are. Like, okay, Bill Belichick is available. How many people are suddenly going to fire everyone to bring in Bill Belichick? I know he's a little bit older than he was, but if he had, if he were available in the year Tom Brady left, um, would everybody in the league have jumped at that opportunity because he's he was younger then? And he wasn't the guy that was the title winner. It ended up being Tom. Tom won the Super Bowl. Maybe he learned from Bill. Whatever he learned, he could, as a quarterback, make his team better and lead a team to the Super Bowl while Bill is still trying to find a quarterback. Well, that's an interesting example historically because I do believe this, that initially when Tom Brady was thrust into the lineup, uh, probably before he was ready, even he has talked about that, he benefited from being surrounded by the great infrastructure, having the great no coaching. No doubt about it. And, you know, he was somebody that grew into the job. Once he did that, he didn't need the rest. Then it was Tom Brady, the great multiplier, because of the way that he learned the game, because of the way he anticipated all the throws and did everything right. So I think that he began his career maybe as a game manager, and then he became the player that could go anywhere and succeed just because – he was the greatest quarterback that ever played. It's it's a legitimate thing to consider, right? I mean, I, I don't know why the quarterback doesn't mean more to people if indeed that's what we're hearing, draft the wide receiver. I mean, that's fine. Wide receiver, that's a he's a great player, I, but I, I wouldn't draft him first overall. I think and, you're only hearing it from people that believe the Bears should stick with Justin Fields because of all they've invested in him and all they, they could get for that pick. I think that's probably as much of an impetus to that argument as anything. And, and I mean, listen, like we talk to DJ Moore on a regular basis. They, they don't have him this year. How many games they win? I mean, they're, they already lost 10 with him, but how many are they winning if they don't have him on their team? And it's the same thing with – Jamar Chase or with Justin Jefferson or with a great receiver. And I, I just don't understand why the quarterback position isn't more appreciated in Chicago. Maybe because we really haven't had uh, a player that we've watched develop. Can you appreciate develop. something you've never really experienced? Right, right. Or that relationship is not one that you can understand fully because you've had one disappointment after another. And we don't need to go back through recent history, but it's been it's been very deflating. You, Mitch Trubisky teased us, you know, it gave up a lot to get him, and he didn't get Mahomes and all of that, and 
But boy, 2018, you thought you were onto something. Beginning of 2019, you thought, well, maybe this will work. And then reality hit and returned and came, you know, landed with a thud and he was gone. And, and you know, uh, you gotta, you need a mix of players. Like you need like a lot of different things to make a great drink. But if you don't have whatever, whether it's whiskey, gin, vodka, whatever the base alcohol is, then the drink doesn't have any kick to it. So you better get the quarterback. <laughs> you okay? You said, I, we're starting I'm early here? I'm apparently daydreaming it's about after, booze. 10 after 8, we're already talking about margaritas, <laughs> old fashions. Hard to make them. I know. Without the key ingredient. gin and tonic. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, gin fizz. That would be nice. All right. You have your uh, your your uh, your Virgin Mary cocktail, whatever you want to call it, uh, with no booze in it. I'd like to put a little bit of vodka in my tomato juice. Sir. Well, so we're having Bloody Marys at the break. Um, Sound like Dave wants that. Well, I like those. How about I, that story I, he told? What was that one? With the uh, interview that he and Jimmy Johnson conducted, I think it was a morning interview at a hotel, and they ordered four hail, uh, four Bloody Marys, <laughs> and the guy walked in, and I think that he was a little surprised. But that was, you know, yeah, that's well, the way they did it back in the day. I, you know, I've never had one of those Bloody Marys that has like a burger in it or and a, bacon sticking have, out yes, with two celery stalks and like, yeah, that's too much. Like a giant, too busy. piece of of too like, busy. You know, some kind of meat sticking out of the thing like. That's with dust. Marinated like. beef and some bacon. Oh, my God. Yeah, and a, and a spear, and they stir it right. up. Right, exactly. No, thanks. You know, give me a little celery, maybe, because it'll, it'll. Oh, because it'll counter, counteract the other stuff. No, I. Some I, healthy celery. No, I'm saying that, like, at least it has the distinctive taste. I'm not a Bloody help. Mary guy. Um, I, I'm not a. I'm all for day drinking, I'm but I'm not a, a Bloody Mary drinker. Eh, okay. I, I don't think I drink in the morning. It takes me a little while. I don't know. I could have a drink after the show I could, if you insist. Yeah, we've done that. I we mean, have. We've not, gone out for a beer. It's not yeah. like something you do all the time. No, but it's a civilized. The ten thirty beer is not such a bad idea. Sometimes no, not when you get up as early as we do. Yeah, it depends on how the day goes. That's right. Yeah, ten thirty beers I mean, could be definitely a, a, a third beer at ten thirty. Might not no. be good. No, then, it's we've, mis- then we've you call Mister Uber. One or two. Yeah, yeah. Then you call Mister Uber. Mister Uber. That's uh, really good. All right. We got a lot of people want to check in. Let's try uh, Scrap Iron is uh, is on. Hey, Scrap Iron. Hey, Scrappy. Hey, guys. Big fan of the show. Being a guy from the south side of Chicago, I grew up on 55th and Kedzie over by St. Paul Parish. Yeah. I got to check in with Mully, and that's the reason why I have to call today because I'm, Mully sounds like he's getting crazy over there. So, Thank you, buddy. You know, so. Yes. <laughs> he's delirious. He, uh, <laughs> Here's the thing that kind of sticks out in my mind. I was kind of neutral on Justin Fields going into this season and what possibly could happen here. And after watching the season and after watching him for three years, I've kind of come to the point I think we better make a change and get Williams. My reasoning is this. Kind of look back in the last three years with him, you know, in the last, what, the last two and a half years he's played quarterback for the Bears. I can only – the great quarterbacks always seem to, even with lesser talent, look at Mahomes. He had no wide receivers and won a Super Bowl. And the thing is, that sticks out in my mind, 
those last possession games, especially this year, you know, he re- the only game I could think of in him being that quarterback he ever bailed out on was a Minnesota game, and he made about a 30-yard pass to uh, D.J. Moore to win the game to set up the winning field goal. Great quarterbacks always find a way to win. And he he really never really won too many games from behind. You know, the last possession games of, at the end of the game, you know what I mean, or even put him in position. He seems like he misses the uh, free throws, the short passes. You kind of look at, at uh, game-winning drives. You usually start out with a short pass and then kind of build on that. And he just doesn't seem like he's got it. I'm going to hang up and listen to your uh, reply. Hey, thanks. I'm a big thanks. listener of the show. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scrap. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, big south side guy. Makes some good points. Yeah, I think that the tendency for Justin Fields to miss on some of the simple throws is something that stood out probably more toward the beginning of last season than the end. He did kind of improve. Certainly the last seven games, it's hard to point to specific games where he didn't succeed. It was a very strong close to a season. I just don't know if it was enough. Against the Falcons, he played as as good of a game as he has played in a bare uniform. I don't know if it was enough. There are lots of reasons you could talk yourself into keeping Justin Fields. As one texter says, you know, um, there's no sure – Caleb Williams isn't a sure thing. There are no sure things in any sport evaluation. They're just opinions based on evidence, based on things, your own experiences, and you're taking a shot. The opinion here would be Justin Fields, good quarterback. Caleb Williams, potentially great one. And you said it, you know, can you win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields? And as someone points out in the text line, the Bears went to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman. So, yeah, you could probably get to the Super Bowl, maybe win a Super Bowl with Justin Fields as your quarterback. You're not going to build a dynasty. You're not taking the North and not giving it back, as you pointed out earlier, with Justin Fields. It's just not going to happen right now. Rex Grossman got to the, got to the Super Bowl because he was part of an offense that ran the ball really well, a defense that dominated and took the ball away, and he had a very good start to that season. After six games, he was an MVP candidate. Rex Grossman got to the Super Bowl, didn't win it. And By the end of the season, they were going to replace him. They were going to replace him. Yeah. Brian Greasy was the most popular quarterback in town. Sexy Rexy was, you know, good Rex, bad Rex. Sexy Rexy. Haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> didn't you tab him that? Didn't you name I, him that? That was not me. Thank you. <laughs> sexy. I'm sexy for myself. Let's try. In a wig. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my wigs. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I got to get this name here. Uh, hmm. Uh, give me a second. Is it Doug? Doug in West Dundee? Hey, Doug. It is Doug. Oh, thank you. Sorry. You're, <laughs> Good morning. Our little boxes here are kind of squeezed, and every once in a while you get, like, two sentences that aren't related to your name. So I'm pleased we have your name. Not a problem. Hey, enjoying the conversation. I uh, I agree uh, as far as Fields maybe not being everything you want him to be, um, but I think you can win with him. I just wonder if uh, 
a, a couple things. So, it, you know, he doesn't really have to go anywhere. And you have a roster that's pretty much a playoff roster by the end of the year. Now, if you if you took that first pick and you could somehow get the receiver and maybe Jaden Daniels or something um, and keep Justin Fields, and, but uh, or if you wanted to take, you know, Caleb Williams and keep Justin Fields, um, but you, you need maybe a few more picks. So if you could come away, because what you're talking about is a 15 out of 100 chance at getting, you know, a generational quarterback is, is what, you know, regardless of who it is, uh, history would tell you you got, you know, one and a half out of out of the, anybody taken in the top 10, you know, 15% of those guys are, are really panning out like you envisioned. And I just uh, look at it like you you could compete and, and maybe even win uh, and get into the second round or who knows next year. And by then, whichever quarterback you take, who should, in my opinion, sit on the bench, uh, I think Green Bay is a pretty good case study hmm. of developing quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So maybe by the end of next season, you have the guy that you want, either in Caleb Williams or I, I, Drake May. I can't do that because it's North Carolina and still wounded from the Mitch thing. So, <laughs> Thanks, Doug. I, I can understand that. I, I just don't think you want to go into – next season without having conviction about what quarterback you can win because of. Mm -hmm. And if you draft, in his example, Jaden Daniels, and you have Justin Fields, who's your guy? Who's your guy? That's a good point. You got to believe in somebody. All right. We're going to – we're going to get to the – we got the, some breaking news. It's in the chat. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. Breaking news. The chat. Breaking news on the score. Uh, breaking news on the score is uh, breaking news on 670. The score is presented by BetQL. Bet smarter. Uh, get smarter bets start with BetQL. <laughs> Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL. Green Bay will not bring back Joe Barry as a defensive coordinator. That's the breaking news according to Tom Pelissero. That's correct. All right, Green Bay getting a new defensive coordinator. Everybody right to Bears and Bears fans, right? Yeah, Joe Barry uh, actually did a pretty good job down the stretch, didn't you see? I mean, they were talking about firing him before the season was over. They won in the playoffs. They won in the playoffs. They fired the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, who's the key? Who's the key person in that crew? It's got. It's got to be the head coach, right? Is there? Do you know a team that needs a defensive coordinator? Uh, I think there's a couple of guys being interviewed here. That's that's taking your time to make a decision, right? That's reviewing a lot of stuff and deciding you can get better. So we'll see if they get better or not. I, 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 it doesn't stun me that that happened, but there you have it. All right. We've got Dwayne Peavy, the DePaul athletic director. We're going to talk to him next about – the decision to fire the coach. We'll get back to your calls in a bit. Mully and Han, the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. 
Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. We are delighted to welcome in Dwayne Peavy, the DePaul Athletics Director, to the program. He joins us on the score hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Dwayne, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing okay. We're doing all right. We're very um, curious about um, the timing of uh, of the okay. Tony Stubblefield thing. Why now? Why, does this give you an advantage in terms and, – and, I mean, in fairness, you kind of warned us – about a month ago that this could be coming. So I think you, we knew what you were thinking, but I'm just curious about the timing. Well, it's never easy to do a mid-season uh, termination. Um, it's not ideal. I mean, whether in, in our businesses or anything else, you want a full opportunity to be able to get the job done. And the pressure was mounting. Um, you know, obviously in the Big East, the league has grown tremendously in my time in DePaul. I mean, I know what we walked into, and I knew it was a challenge. But if you look at the roster of coaches in this league and the investment in this league, and even what we're doing, facilities, budgets, NIL, it's a it's a it's a task ahead for us. And I think the third year in a job, whether you're the athletic director or any profession, is usually when you can get a good sense of the direction that's going in. And so this was a big year, not a make or break year. We didn't go into this year with. Tony on the hot seat or anything like that. But also, I never envisioned us losing three bye games and starting out one and five and being three and 15 at this point and not even being competitive in Big East games. I never saw that scenario either. And basically what it came down to is how do we get this program in the middle of the pack from a competitive standpoint in the Big East to give us a chance to win a championship? Because – our, our previous champion, our defending champion, finished fourth in this league last year, right? And they go win it. So being in the mix, being a tournament team in this league, you're in the you're in the top 25 in the country. So what do I need to get there? And that was my charge. That's that's the thing I can focus on. And I started looking at the things we have to have. We have our facility plan in place. We have our budget plan in place. I'm really working hard with our board and my president on the salary structure and all those things I was working on for Tony in this program, because after year three, my hope would be we're successful enough and I have to have all these things lined up to make sure I don't lose my coach. And so all these things we've been working on, the last piece is the NIL. We were last in the league. That is our current state of affairs. But trying to raise money in NIL in a year when you're three and 15 has been impossible. We've tried. Trying to get people to buy in and invest, they're in wait and see mode. Well, I'll see if you turn it around or you go another direction. And it became inevitable that we were going to be faced with this same challenge even at the start of next year in this offseason because we wouldn't have the results to make that a viable option. And I couldn't risk the momentum that we also have gained by having this facility project started and the fundraising that's being done or the budget that was in place. I couldn't have people saying the same thing about that. Well, maybe we wait and see until you can produce more revenue to be able to give you – uh, those um, assets to be able to get better. And so it became more of a business decision. Um, and, you know, I told Tony, you didn't deserve this because we should have been able to be, have things in better place. 
but the, but the script changed. We all came here together with no NIL, uh, the transfer portal not being a situation. I got hired under some circumstances, and so did he. But we have to be adaptable. And unfortunately, in year three, we weren't getting it done. And once we got to a point where I didn't feel like the results were going to get significantly better in the year and there was going to be a change made at the end of the year, let's use the opportunity to gain the momentum going forward so that way we can now not only hire a new coach but have all those things in place when I'm hiring in the process versus telling some coach you're going to have it when you get here or we're going to get it together. It's going to take a quantum leap of faith, though, by somebody who looks at that and looks at your recent history and says, okay, I want that challenge. I mean, because let's face it, you articulate it well. The NIL Mm -hmm. money, not there. The coaching salary structure hasn't been competitive. When you look at the winning, it has been bad enough that you wonder if the Big East is a good fit for DePaul. So how do you balance that natural – it's a natural reaction to have, Dwayne. I think when you have – you know, uh, when you lack the relevance mm-hmm. that DePaul has in recent years in major college basketball, how do you attract qualified candidates who are going to say, well, yeah, despite all that, I can go there and win. Despite all that, I can return that program to its previous glory, which was a long time ago. Well, I think three years ago, I was selling a dream, right? We didn't even have a strategic plan. Obviously, we are in covid I haven't even met in person most of my board of trustees. Totally different set of circumstances. Our our campus was even closed. Mm. Now I'm talking about reality. I can talk about facts. They know our facility project has already been announced. We started construction in December 4th on the renovation side of that already. All right. I could talk about the budgets in place now. It exists. There's nothing that Coach Stubblefield and his staff have been without even in this current year. And so those things are facts now that were more dreams of where I was trying to go three years ago. The NIL piece is the piece in the short period of time, these two months, what it gives me, that will be in hand. The money will be in the collective. And that coach will know that there's not, just like I'm trying to get from my board, I want to have the tools to be able to hire the best coach that's ready to take us to the tournament. I want that coach to walk in and say, hey, I've got everything in place already. Not that i got to go out and raise a million dollars or $2 million or whatever. I want them to know, hey, when you get here, there is no transition period because you're going to have everything right there right now. And that's why we set a March 1 deadline. We're going to have those monies in place. And so when I'm having those serious conversations with those high-level coaches, people that are successful where they are right now, they've got to know that's not something that could be. They need to know that that money's there and I have the money to be able to hire to support staff to help me get it done. And those are the things, that's the reason we're doing this now, because it gives us a chance to get those things done before March 1st. Does the, does the amount of money you have to give Coach Stubblefield or pay him uh, for, for not coaching now, does that impact the amount of money you can offer the next coach? You know, just due to the privacy concerns of the contracts, you know, I'm not going to speak specifically to whether he had a severance or not, but it's not going to impact. We, we've made that decision, and now we're going forward, and those are decisions being made about the new coach. And so um, we're ready. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious, as you can tell. Um, the good thing about last search, a lot of people might be critical that I talk to a lot of coaches. And back then, obviously, I had nothing else to do. I couldn't go to the tournament. I couldn't visit anybody on site. I couldn't go to games. I could just do a lot of Zooms, and then we really concentrated on bringing 
five or six individuals in person that I've got a lot of people that are interested in this job because they've known us for three years. They've been following it. We just couldn't afford them last time. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't buy anybody out. And so it's actually helped us in this process because it's not somebody that has no idea about DePaul or doesn't know me. The relationship started. Those coaches have been, you know, checking in and saying hello, watching your games and kind of seeing how it's going. And I think it's given us a little bit of a leg up now. There's several people that I believe are interest, highly interested in this job that were before. We just And we're in a better situation now. Even though the league's greater, we're more aligned with the things that the coach can't control to allow them to come in and have X and O coaching ability, put a staff together to take care of every strength or weakness that they need, and be able to succeed in the greatest league in America, the Big East Conference. I mean, there's a lot of coaches that want to be in a basketball league where basketball is the focus. There's a reason that we've had such success in this league, and the athletic directors in this league challenge each other to grow budgets, facilities, NIL. There's a lot of NIL problems similar to DePaul at other Autonomy 5 schools too. And so the fact that we can cross that off the list, that that's not an issue, because I'm not only trying to get those monies raised for this next offseason, but also for years to come to know that's not an issue anymore. We have to erase that. There's certain coaches that we can't even talk to if that's going to be a risk. You know, and that's part of the reason you can look at some of our issues currently. We've got to erase that. And I now, based even in the last two days, I feel even more comfortable about the number. And maybe we're shooting too short that we should be raising for a higher number because people realize the impact they can have. You know what it can do for recruiting, but you never thought about what it could do for recruiting a head coach. That's the thing that's going to give us an opportunity or a leg going forward. Well, let's talk about ambition and what's realistic. So yeah. you come here from Kentucky three years ago, and mm-hmm. you spent a lot of time around that program. So I wonder, what is the model you're looking to replicate? Is it one of the college basketball blue bloods? Is it Butler or Marquette, more Big East type of programs? Is it you know something like Loyola has, very special in your own backyard? What is it? Because I think people look at the Paul basketball, and it's people of a certain age have very fond memories of the Mark Aguirre era, what the Myers did for the program. I wonder, though, when you look at DePaul basketball, what your vision includes. Is it to be the next Kentucky, the next Marquette, the next Butler, the next Loyola? What is your vision for DePaul basketball? I think DePaul's brand is unique. I don't think we need to be anybody else or the next anybody else. We could be our own, right? I mean, there's a lot of people that have an affinity for this program, and their brand, it shows you, it stands, you know, 40 years ago, still resonates with people when you hear DePaul. But the thing I think we have uniquely is that blue collar, we call it blue grit, having somebody come in here and knowing you're in a um, Midwestern major city where people are willing to come together, accomplish great things. This city is starving for a great college basketball team right now. I mean, I go everywhere in the city. I'm branded head to toe, and everybody's got a DePaul story. I'm talking about every Uber driver, people walking on the street, and, like, there's an affinity of 85% of our alums are right here in Chicago. I got to give them a reason to reinvest in their school, to come back, because maybe when they were students, we weren't even any good. They didn't even go to games. And so our students are starving. Our faculty is interested, and they're coming to games. My deans are connected. You know, our staff at the university wants to see us win. Our administration is fully on board. 
and invested in it. I've never seen DePaul like this, right? And from what I'm talking to other people, this hasn't been this way in a long time to have this alignment. That's why it's so important that we do we, we get this right this time around right now, right? A lot of pressure, but that's the job. And I'm hoping that I'm an asset to it too, that a coach is out there. I don't need to be in your way. I need to take care of things you don't want to worry about. That's the one thing I was able to do for John Calipari for 11 years. You coach your team. You do all this. I'll be the idea guy getting us out in front and, and, and thinking about things before everybody's doing it. That why together we can go create an event and start up the CBS Sports Classic and start with the partner here, Kempers Lesnick, and started the first time in Chicago. We can go change what we're doing with our foreign tours and putting us on being the first game that was on the SEC network even before they had the soccer and football when it launched. We can got we can be out front with different ideas and be a trendsetter. But I also can allow the coach to be able to do everything they need. What do you need? My head coaches will tell you now. I constantly ask them, if I can get you X, what can you do with it? Because I want those challenges to stay ahead of the curve of where they are in their strategic plans. That's what I'm trying to do for my president as part of designing DePaul is that I need the athletic department to be that true front porch to this university because we have an opportunity to change the university, not just the athletic department, change the actual university because when we win, our university wins. And you know, DePaul is the largest Catholic school in the country. Everybody knows the name DePaul, and part of that was what we did in the 70s and 80s. And so it's now it's time to end that drought of 20 years of not being in the tournament. And it's time for us to do our part. Our university has invested in us over the years. They're increasing that investment. And I'm going to work my butt off to make sure that they get a return on it. Dwayne, thanks for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. I can hear your ambition, and I think we're all hopeful that that, uh, with the right guy, you get there. Good luck on your search. Thank you. Take care, guys. That's Dwayne Peavy from DePaul. Impressive guy. Yeah, and and I mean a lot of passion, a lot of big dreams, but a lot of lack of success thus far. I, uh, you know, Tony Stubblefield, that didn't work. Nope. And, and it's interesting. You go back and you look at some of the coaches they were talking to. Let's do that. Yeah. At some point, we need to do yes. that because it sounds like those are guys still interested. Yeah. Pretty interesting. <laughs> They're gonna stuff. backtrack and see. Well, what are you doing now? Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're going to talk to Chris Chelios next. Chris Chelios. Up the boards to Chelios with room. He shoots. Score! Bet MGM ambassador. Nice play by Chris Chelios. Hockey Hall of Famer. Chris Chelios is not human. I'm convinced of it. Not only will he go in the Hall of Fame, I think he should go in the Smithsonian. Blackhawks legend. Chelios will add defense, but he'll also add offense to the Hawks. Steve Smith ahead to Murphy. Nichols at the line. Chelios moving in. Chelios scores! Chris Chelios has won it for Chicago. Three-time Stanley Cup champion. What a competitor Chris Chelios has been over the years, and been a winner every place he's ever been. Chris Chelios with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We love our opportunity to talk to Chris Chelios. He joins us now on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Chris, good morning. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you guys? Doing well. We're doing well. I, I'm really looking forward to the games this weekend. And my wife is from Detroit. And this is their chance to get to a Super Bowl for the first time. I mean, everyone is kind of over the moon for it. I also believe that if you're not a Niners fan, and there are people that aren't, you're cheering for Detroit because this is an underdog story. And again, one of the few franchises that has been denied this. God, I feel like you're setting me up for this Detroit thing again to get people in Chicago mad at me. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, I didn't realize that they'd never even been to a Super Bowl, which is crazy with the, you know, the history of their team. But I went, I think I mentioned I went two weeks ago to the game, and it was one of the first times I've ever left Ford Field when the people were actually happy and in a great mood. So, yeah, I'm cheering for them all the way. I, you know, nothing against San Fran, but, I, you know, Jared Gaw, I love him as a quarterback. Uh, I like their team. That Hutchinson reminds me of, you know, a Dick Buckus type, Erlacher type, you know, middle linebacker. So, uh, yeah, it, it's been exciting. And there's nothing better than playoff football. And uh, it's going to be tough, you know, on the road. But they've played well on the road, too. So, you know, hopefully they're a team of destiny and they'll get to the Super Bowl. I hope they do just to see you squirm when you have to pick them to win the Super Bowl, Chelly. That would be awesome. So, God, well, I have to. I mean, I, I love the Ravens, too. And I, what, what he did, I, I, I think they shocked a lot of people, KC, going into Buffalo and winning that game. So, I mean, it's all great teams, and I, I don't really hate anybody in there. If I was going to pick a team that I didn't like, it'd be San Francisco because all those you know people out in California. <laughs> Let's talk cocky for a second. The big news this morning from the Blackhawks' perspective, several reports, they've re-signed Peter Morazic, your guy, the goalie, to a two-year contract worth $8 million, 4.25 per year. That's an $8.5 million deal, Chelly. I, I don't know if I'm surprised by the extension, Maybe by the money, that's pretty good. Yeah, no question that he's earned it. He's been one of the bright spots this season, you know, keeping him in a lot of games. You saw they've rewarded Feligno, uh, Dickinson having a come-out year. So good for Peter. Like I said, I've got history with him. He won the, uh, what was it, the uh, the Cup in, in, in the AHL. Not single-handedly, they had a pretty good team, but uh, I've seen him in, in World Juniors win that. So he competes. He works hard every game. And, you know, you watched that game the other night, the 2 nothing game. He played unbelievable. And then, for, you know, the way things are going for the Hawks right now, it's pretty tough to be a defenseman and a goaltender. And, and he stood tall. So good for Peter, and congratulations for the extension. Yeah, um, I, I'm happy for him. I, You know, with the Blackhawks, sometimes you just want to hit the fast-forward button, right? Let's get to the kid coming back, Bedard. Let's get to the young players joining the team in a year or two. It just feels like it's all about the future, and it's tough to really watch a lot of it right now because they don't have their best player on the on the ice. Yeah, that really adds injury, uh, uh, insult to injuries. Mm-hmm. And uh, to lose him in the fashion they did, kind of a fluke, you know, play and he must have just hit his jaw just perfectly against uh, uh, Brendan Smith's arm there or shoulder. But um, it is what it is. And I, I, I know they just mentioned, I think Richardson said it's at least six more weeks, but hopefully he can get to Toronto and, and be a part of the, the all-star game and the skills. Uh, you don't want to miss that, especially the way things were going for him this year and how excited all the fans are. And I'm sure, you know, the Hawks fans are looking forward to seeing him at the skills and, and, and participating in those events because the All-Star Games are a blast. 
especially, you know, when you're a young kid. I'll never forget my first All-Star game. So, you know, it is what it is, and hopefully he'll come back healthy and, and, and finish off the season and maybe still have a shot at that Rookie of the Year if he can get back. Chelly, does your ambassador contract include language to be a consultant? Because if I were <laughs> if if I were Luke Richardson, I would maybe want you to be in a room with Lucas Reichel, and I would want to figure out how to get to this young man and, and unlock whatever is holding him back because he's got talent. We just haven't seen it. Healthy scratch the other night, not trending in the right direction. How would you address that problem if you're the Hawks? I mean, he, he's got to get his confidence for sure. And I think, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a bad thing to, to put him in Rockford and let him, you know, light it up there and get his confidence. And then the next time he comes up, you know, like I said, when I first started, I, you know, I was having a horrible time my first 15, 20 games. And all of a sudden, just one game turned it around for me. One goal, quite honestly. So hopefully that'll be the case. He's a really skilled kid. It's tough for those types of players to try and buy in at that age, especially, you know, to get pucked deep and not take chances. And they see different things, those skilled players, all skilled players. They don't, you know, Luke was a stay-at-home defenseman, so and then it's hard probably for him to understand that he doesn't, you know, he didn't see the game the same way uh, Reichel does. So it, he'll figure it out, hopefully. He's a smart player. Uh, wish he had a little more size, and he'll get stronger too, hopefully, in the next year or two, and that'll help him a bit too, not getting knocked off pucks and, and turning pucks over in the, in the zone. Chris, we'll let you go. Just want to clarify, what are you betting on this weekend? Who do you like? I mean, I, I, won't, I bet on Detroit the first two games. I, I can't bet them on the road. Uh, uh, so I, if I'm taking a team, I'm going to take Casey, and I, you know, I'm still going to take Detroit just because I'm betting with my heart. <laughs> Great stuff, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Chris. All right, guys. Take care. Yeah, that's good stuff. Mr. Detroit. You're you're going through Well, I mean, he was in Detroit. He knows the town. Yeah. I'm yeah. not pinning it on him that, the, you know, he won in Detroit. He There's did. There's nothing wrong with that. He celebrated in and Detroit. And they, they won a lot of titles in Detroit in hockey, but they mm -hmm. haven't done it. Now. in football in forever It'd be crazy and it's kind of a cool story it what's going cool on story. they're a very likable team the oh they're coach very likable quarterbacks unassuming the quarterback's a good guy david montgomery easy to pull for david montgomery was Aiden here. hutchinson i mean come Aiden on. hutchinson is an unbelievable story he is a detroit guy uh in the way that he talked about butkus being a a chicago guy right i yeah. mean he, and as an edge guy, he makes an impact in every game he's playing. He, and, and you've got the cool thing with Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, St. Brown co coloring his hair blue and connecting with the kids in, in Detroit. It's just a lot of different reasons. Yeah, the Lions are likable. The Lions are the most likable team left. No doubt about it. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. Score.